Chapter Three of the Pink Shop by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kehinde. Chapter Three: The Lost Bag. Notwithstanding her delicate looks, Audrey possessed a strong spirit, fully capable of controlling emotions, even when markedly powerful. The tragic and unexpected news of the murder shattered her nerves for the moment. But after the first shock of surprise, she pushed her way hastily through the crowd, fully bent upon discovering exactly what had happened. Ralph, not yet thoroughly acquainted with her self-control under trying circumstances, followed immediately behind, urging her in whispers to go home and wait developments. To his importunities, she turned a deaf ear and addressed herself anxiously to the officer who guarded the door of the Turkish shop. He naturally refused to reply to her questions. "'But I am Lady Branwen's daughter,' said Audrey softly, so that the crowd might not hear. "'And they say that Lady Branwen is dead.' "'Very sorry, miss,' said the constable, not answering directly. "'But my orders are to admit no one.' Audrey's eyes began to glitter with ill-concealed anger, and Ralph hastily intervened. "'Who is in charge of this case, officer?' "'Inspector Lanton, sir. Then pass my card in to him, and—are you a relative of the deceased, sir? No, but I am engaged to Miss Branwin here, and she—' "'I'll send in the card,' interrupted the policeman quickly, then raised his voice to rebuke the crowd. "'Keep back there. Keep back.' Audrey remained silent, holding her feelings well under, while Ralph rapidly scribbled her name on his card. The constable knocked at the door and gave the message to the policeman who opened it. Then the door was closed again, and the lovers remained on the step, anxiously waiting to see what would come of their application. The mob of people whispered and pointed and looked askance at the young couple, evidently wondering why they were there. The position was highly unpleasant, and Audrey felt a great sense of relief when she was permitted to enter with her lover. In a moment they passed through the jealously guarded door, and it was closed again the minute they were inside. "'Wait here, please,' said the constable who received them. "'Inspector Lanton is upstairs with Madame Coralie and will be down shortly.' Audrey laid a detaining hand on his sleeve as he moved away. "'Can you tell me if Lady Branwen—' "'I am not allowed to answer any questions, miss,' he replied, and went away in a stolid manner as though the business in hand were an everyday occurrence. "'Won't you sit down, darling?' whispered Ralph tenderly. "'You must keep up your strength, as there is much to be done.' "'My poor mother!' Audrey sank down onto a stool with a gasp. "'Who could have killed her? How was she killed? When did the murder take place? Oh, it's too awful. Perhaps—' She looked pleadingly up into her lover's face. "'Perhaps it is not true.' "'It is true, Miss Branwen,' said a soft voice before Ralph could reply, and out of a near alcove came a pretty girl with red eyes and a tear-stained face. "'It's quite true and very terrible.' "'Who are you?' asked Audrey, lifting her white face. "'How do you come to know my name?' "'I am Badura, the forewoman of Madame Coralie,' was the reply, "'and I saw you yesterday when you came here with your mother.' "'Poor Lady Branwen, it is awful to think that she should have been strangled and—' "'Strangled?' interrupted Audrey with another gasp. "'Who strangled her?' "'No one knows,' said Badura, shuddering. 
Madame found her dead in her bed when she went at seven this morning to see how she had passed the night. I heard her say that Lady Branwyn had been strangled, and then she sent for the police at once. It's really dreadful, added the girl mournfully, as everything is upset and we don't know what is going to happen. See here, and she swept aside the pink silk curtain which was draped over the Moorish arc of the alcove whence she had emerged. Here Audrey beheld the other assistants huddled together on the divan with tear-stained faces and terror-stricken looks. The catastrophe had disorganized the whole establishment, and the girls feared lest the scandal, which certainly would arise from the fact of the murder, might result in the closing of the shop. This was a very probable contingency indeed, and none of them could face with equanimity the dismal prospect of losing her employment. They had been driven like sheep into the alcove by the police, and waited developments with strained nerves. As yet, not one of the three had been examined. Badura, having full possession of her senses, was the most composed and seemed glad to find someone to talk to, less upset than her three friends. It will ruin Madame's business, she wailed. "'Please tell us exactly what happened,' said Ralph, who was anxious to get at the facts of the case. "'There's nothing to tell, sir. Lady Branwyn came with this young lady yesterday, about five, and retired to a back bedroom on the ground floor almost immediately with Madame, who wished to see what could be done by way of treatment. Lady Branwyn had not even made up her mind to stop, but after Madame had given her opinion, she decided to remain for the night.' and madame told you miss branwyn that such was the case when when i called here on my way to the theatre finished audrey whose face was colourless but wonderfully composed i remember when did madame coralie last see my mother shortly before eight o'clock miss she left her quite comfortable for the night after she had taken a light supper we all went to bed about nine as we were all so tired with a busy day then at seven this morning madame came to me while i was tidying up the shop and told me that lady branwyn was dead she could scarcely speak badura paused for a moment and added as an afterthought the window was open the window repeated ralph fastening his eyes on her face searchingly the window of the back bedroom on the ground floor explained the girl readily it looks out onto a closed court which has a high wall round it then you think that the assassin entered and left by the window i didn't say that for i do not know replied badura quickly all madame said was that the bedroom window was open although she had closed it on the previous night but even if the assassin did get into the room in that way i don't see how he could leave the court the door in the wall of the court is locked, and the key is lost. He could climb over the wall, perhaps, suggested Audrey thoughtfully. It's a difficult smooth wall to climb, miss. What is on the other side of the wall? asked Shaw sharply. A narrow alley which runs into the high street. Then, if the assassin could get over the wall, he could easily escape? Oh, yes, sir, but the wall is difficult to climb. Is there no other entrance into the court? Only from the house. There is a door which is kept locked, as no one ever goes into the court at the back. Besides, no one was in the house last night but myself, the three girls, Madame, 
Lady Branwen and a lady customer. What is her name? I can't tell you, said Badura, hesitating. Only Madame knows, as many ladies don't care to give their names, save to Madame when under treatment. Tell me, said Ralph, waving this point for the time being. You call the assassin he. What reason have you to believe that a man strangled Lady Branwen? Badura looked surprised. I only think so, sir, as of course I know nothing. But surely, sir, only a man would have the strength to strangle? Audrey shook her head. A strong woman could do that also, especially as my mother was stout and rather apoplectic. Very little pressure on her throat would have killed her, I am certain. And then... Here Audrey's conjectures were cut short by the entrance of a tall, soldierly-looking man in uniform. His eyes were gray and steady, and he looked sharply at the young couple who rose to meet him. It was Landon. "'Miss Branwen and Mr. Ralph Shaw,' said the inspector, glancing at the barrister's card, which he held in his hand. "'How is it that you are here?' "'Let me explain,' said Audrey, stopping her lover from speaking. "'I met Mr. Shaw in Kensington Gardens this morning, early as we are engaged, and called with him to see how my mother was this morning. We learnt.' Her face worked with emotion, and she sat down again. "'I understand, I understand,' said Lenton, comprehending her feelings. "'It is very sad, Miss Branwin, and must have been a great shock to you. "'Is my mother really dead?' "'Yes,' answered the inspector promptly. "'The doctor who examined the body declares that she was strangled at eight o'clock last night, "'that is, a few minutes before or after. "'If you would like to see the body—' "'No, no,' interposed Ralph hurriedly. "'Miss Branwen is not strong enough to—' Audrey rose to her feet and braced herself with an effort. "'Yes, I am,' she declared. "'It is necessary for me to see my poor mother's remains. "'Take me to the room, Mr. Inspector.' "'You are a brave young lady,' muttered the officer, "'and led the way out of the shop without further comment.' The trio, for Shaw, naturally went with Audrey— walked along a narrow corridor which ran the whole length of the building. It divided the shop, which likewise stretched from wall to wall of the house, from four bedrooms, the windows of which looked out onto the closed court mentioned by Badura. At the end of the passage to the right, looking from the shop, was a door which led into a right-of-way opening onto Walpole Lane. But this right-of-way did not afford any access to the court, its upper end being blocked by a high brick wall with broken glass on top. The only two ways of gaining admittance to the court were by the house door and the door in the wall of the court itself. These, as Badura had said, and as Inspector Lanton had ascertained from Madame Corley, were always kept locked. The court was narrow and paved with flagstones and had a disused air, which was very natural since no one ever entered it. Lanton conducted the couple into one of the bedrooms, and here they found Madame Corley in her quaint Turkish dress and wearing the flimsy black yashmak. She was seated near the door, apparently guarding the dead from the prying curiosity of anyone in the house. The room was of no great size, but was luxuriously furnished in green and silver. There was only one window, draped with curtains, which looked out onto the court, and the lower sash of this was wide open. 
In a far corner, with its head against the inner wall, stood the bed, and on this, under a sheet, the dead woman was stiffly stretched out. Owing to the absence of sunlight and the presence of the dead, there was a chill feeling in the room, and Audrey shivered. "'Can you go through with it?' asked Ralph anxiously. "'Yes, I must,' she replied in a low tone, and walking towards the bed she lifted the sheet. Madame Corley had risen and with tightly clasped hands watched the girl's every action. Her black eyes peering above the yashmak were less hard, and the red rims round them showed that she had been weeping. She had every reason to, for what had happened might ruin her trade. "'Is it Lady Branwyn?' asked Lenton softly, since Audrey did not speak. "'Yes,' she replied with a sigh, and apparently could scarcely stand. On seeing this, Ralph slipped his arm round her waist. "'I won't give way,' she added firmly, and withdrew from his support. "'Yes, Mr. Inspector, this is my mother's body. I see from the black marks on her neck that she has been strangled. Who murdered her, and why?' Madame Corley replied, "'Ah, my dear young lady,' she said in a choking voice, "'this is what we wish to find out. It will ruin my business.' "'I don't see that,' said Lenton quietly. "'You have always conducted your business respectably.' "'It's the first time that I've ever had the police in my house,' murmured Madame Coralie in despair. "'But I murder. Well, what lady will ever come and pass the night here for treatment when she may be murdered? I wish I knew the villain who killed poor Lady Branwyn.' Madame Coralie shook a fist in the air. "'I should have him hanged.' "'We'll hunt him down yet,' said Lenton confidentially. "'Do you think that the assassin is a man?' asked Ralph, putting the same question to the inspector as he had done to Badura. Lanton looked taken aback. "'In the absence of all proof, I believe the assassin to be a man, unless Lady Branwyn had a woman enemy.' "'Mama had no enemies at all,' said Audrey in a firm voice. "'Madame, where were you when my mother was murdered?' "'Upstairs in the still room,' said the woman quietly. "'At about eight o'clock the murder took place, according to the doctor. "'I was with my girls, that is, Badura, Parizade, and Zobaidi, "'were in the still room, and Perry Benu in the shop. "'My husband was also there. "'He went away, and then I came down to tell you at the door "'that Lady Branwyn would stop for the night. "'She must have been dead then,' muttered Audrey, shivering. "'You heard no noise, or—' I heard nothing, neither did my husband nor Badura. I left Lady Branwyn quite comfortably shortly before eight o'clock. The assassin must have opened the window and murdered her almost immediately after I left. But why was she murdered? asked Shaw insistently. I can't say, sir, no more than I can say how the assassin managed to enter the court. Why? added Madame Corley quickly. So sure am I that the court cannot be entered that the windows of the bedroom are never fastened. It would therefore not be difficult for the assassin to enter. I expect that he found Lady Branwyn asleep. And so quickly after you left, interrupted the inspector. I gave Lady Branwyn a slipping draught, explained Madame Coralie, as her nerves were bad and she could not rest. For the treatment which I intended to give her, it was necessary that her nerves should be in better order. Audrey nodded. I remember, she said gravely, Mama was very much agitated when she came here, and very restless. 
"'Why?' asked Lenton sharply. "'On account of her desire for this treatment which she feared Madame Coralie would not give her, Mama explained that to me. Then, of course, there were the diamonds.' "'Oh!' Audrey started. "'Where are the diamonds?' Inspector Lanton pricked up his ears and looked at Madame Coralie. "'The diamonds,' he repeated. "'Where are the diamonds?' Madame Coralie started back and wrung her hands. "'Oh, here's another trouble, another trouble,' she wailed. "'I never knew that Lady Branwin brought any diamonds. "'Are you sure? Are you certain?' "'Quite sure,' said Audrey excitedly. "'Mama had two thousand pounds worth of diamonds in a red Morocco bag.' She intended to take them to a jeweler and get them reset, but as she stopped here she took the bag out of the motor and carried it into this house with her. I saw the red bag, said Madame Corley, much agitated, but I swear that I did not know that it contained diamonds. Lady Branwin did not mention what the bag contained. I paid no attention to it. Is the bag in this room? asked Lanton, looking round. It must be, it must be, said Madame Coralie, beginning to search. She had such a bag with her. I remember that, but I did not notice what she did with it. Why should I, not knowing it contained diamonds? A thorough search was made, but without result. Audrey again described the bag and mentioned that her mother had attached a small label to it, so that its owner should be known if it were lost. Inspector Lanton seized on the last word. Did she expect it to be lost? No, certainly not. She intended, I understood from her own lips, to take the diamonds to the jeweler, but, because she remained here, she took the bag in with her. It must be somewhere. In the hands of the assassin, probably, remarked Shaw, nodding. Lanton looked at him. Do you think that the robbery is the motive for the murder? Yes, I do, since the diamonds are missing. Else why should Lady Branwin, who had no enemies, be strangled? The assassin must have known that she had the jewels with her, and must have climbed the wall of the court to gain entrance by the window. Are there no footmarks? I have not searched the court, muttered Lanton doubtfully, but this mention of the diamonds puts a different complexion on the case. He paused for a moment, then scrambled through the window and crossed the court. At the foot of the wall, near the closed door, he picked up a scrap of paper— it's the label, he called out triumphantly. Evidently the string became loose and it fell off while the thief was making off with his plunder. He then turned to examine the door, and uttered a cry as he peered down to look through the keyhole. This door has been opened, he declared loudly. The key is in the lock on the outside. Aha, said Ralph with satisfaction. Now we are on the trail of the assassin. "'Catch him!' screamed Madame Corley fiercely. "'Catch him and hang him!' End of chapter 3 Recorded by Kane